Welcome to Momentum Church. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, there we go. Hey, I want to say about that online service, um, that isn't just something perfunctory. I mean, like that, that, like that online service, we just recorded earlier in the week, and man, it's a word I believe that God needs for us to have as a church to set up our 2023. So I'm encouraging you, it's not that we're like, well, we just aren't going to have service. That, no, this is something you need to check out, and I want you to be able to listen to it. I'm going to challenge you. By the January 2nd, that night, everybody raise your hand. I swear, I will watch that by January 2nd, in Jesus' name, or I'm a liar. No, I'm good. So, no, but it's really something I want you guys to get. And so, well, this is Christmas time. And how many here in the room, do you have a favorite Christmas memory? Raise your hand. Something in the past, a favorite Christmas memory. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite Christmas memories. Um, This past week, we did our Christmas communion, which is something that we have done for years and years, decades and decades and decades, where we gather with families and we serve them communion. And um, about five years ago, it was Christmas communion night when we were going to do this. And I get a phone call from my wife, from Amy. And she's like, "Uh, Ross, um, I need you to come to me. I am at Jared and Charlotte's house. And I'm like, okay. She's like, I'm okay, but I need you to get here. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, well, it's just there's police, but just get here. I'm like, what did Jared do? You know? And so I'm like, I'm coming. I'm on my way. We only live about 45 seconds from their house. So I get there. And when I get there, I find out that my wife is being arrested. Amy, stand up. Woo, that's my girl. All five foot tall of her. And um, she's being arrested. I'm serious. And so the idea is I need to take the children and get the children away before they put her in the cuffs. True story. And so I, I'm getting the kids away. And, 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 and it, here's what's funny. The next day at school, because the kids didn't see her get driven away by the police. The next day at school, one of the students was like, hey, Mac, I think I saw your mom getting arrested by the police. And he's like, no, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. (laughs) And so, well, what had happened was this. She, about a year prior, she was going through a neighborhood, and a tree really blocked the view of a stop sign. I'm trying to give her an out. And she rolled that stop sign. And in doing so, she got a ticket of which she thought she went online and paid. She got her card out, she mashed the numbers in, etc. Didn't get confirmation, but it was good enough for her. She felt like I'd, I tried to pay. And you know, they don't like that. They like want you to actually pay. Isn't that weird? And if you try to pay and you haven't actually paid, guess what you get? A bench warrant. Yeah. So now she's coming off a 92 to turn, and she does what you should do, and Georgians don't, and I will scold you on this. She rolls into the intersection. It's called claiming the intersection. No, this is what we're taught in Ohio and why we have less accidents in our intersections than you Georgians. Just just being honest. So we claim the intersection. It's yellow. And then it turns red, these cars go, and now you have the right to turn left and you will not get in trouble. No craziness. Here, you have to stay on this side. And then everybody goes, it's yellow, gun it! And they all try to get through and they hit each, see what I'm saying? Well, that explanation Amy gave to the policeman did not hold water, right? So, So she's getting a ticket, but she has a bench warrant. Come to find out, when you have a warrant, they will arrest you. And when they arrest you, you will be put in handcuffs. Did you know that? My sweet, and I love it because we have a policeman here and he tried his best to get over there in time. But once it gets to a certain point, it's out of everybody's hands. And you have to get handcuffed and put in the back. And so I come to family communion by myself. I did like one or two families. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I I can't serve communion tonight. So the team, they divvied up everybody amongst them. And I went to my girl and I was there like six or seven hours. Because when you don't have a record, it takes longer to get you processed because they have to search all these databases. And so she got to hang out with Kiki and Jasmine all night. (laughs) 
which was a great witnessing opportunity. But she got to hang out with them all night. And, and we got her out later that evening or early morning. And, um, but here's the thing. All I want you to know is she had a past that caught up to her. Okay. Now, here's what's beautiful. Yes, that past caught up to her. But when we went before the judge, the magistrate, the magistrate said this. They said, we believe you've been punished enough, just that time spent. We're not going to charge you for that turning on the red. And we're not going to charge you for running the stop sign. They just forewent all of that. Isn't that awesome? And so here's what it was. She had a past. Was she guilty? Yeah, she was guilty, but a judge declared her, in a sense, innocent, or said, by my word, it's covered. Shout, it's covered. And because it's covered, she could go on into her future, and she didn't have to keep paying the penalty. She had to pay another dime because of what she did in the past, although she deserved to have to pay, but she didn't. Isn't that awesome? That's how God is. Every one of us in this room, you have a past. And what happens is we carry that past around with us. You know, we carry past sins. We carry past hurts. We carry past failures. You know, if I wrap this around my hand, it's a little easier to carry. But after a while, I start to feel this. It's affecting me. Amen? I, it would be horrible to have to walk through life all stooped over because I'm carrying stuff. But emotionally, there's people in the room, you're stooped over, and your body's hurting spiritually because of things in the past. May have been a negative word spoken over you by a family member or a parent, and you have continued to speak that over yourself. You've allowed the past to continue, to, to, to cause you to stoop, to cause you to be burdened. And what this series is designed, this is the last week in it, it's designed to help you let go of those things that are weighing you down and be able to go forward in the freedom and the life that God has for you. Amen? And so that's one of the greatest gifts I can give you is just helping you let go some stuff. And what we're going to look at this week is letting go of our past. Letting go of our past. You can go ahead and get your Bibles over to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be getting there here in a second. Here's the thing about your past. You can't change your past. It is what it is. But what's beautiful is although you can't change your past, God can change your future. Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our past doesn't always stay in our past. That's the problem. Our past, imagine a doorway, right? And it's like your past is on this side of the threshold of the doorway. And you have this past over here. And the problem with it is you can't change your past. Sometimes we go into life, and now we go through the threshold, and we're trying to live in the future. We're trying to live our lives now. And that past keeps chasing us down. For some people, that past catches up to you. For other people, it was an easy catch because you never let the past go. You, you meditate on the past. You allow yourself to be reminded about the past. You hold on to the past. Sometimes we nurture the past, those things. And so it wasn't something that caught up to you. It never was that far from you in the first place. Those reoccurring cycles of maybe it's ongoing sin. That might be what the past is. And you're like, I won't, I won't, I won't. I, I, just, I just did. And now it's a new day. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I, 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 I just did it. I'm not. Here I go again. And that past stays close. Trying to keep you from, the judge has already said you're not guilty any longer. That's off of you. That's not who you are anymore. But man, I keep reminding myself. Maybe it's a problem with losing your temper. And there's some words that you had spoken in anger that you and your loved ones will not let you forget. And that past, it's like on the other side of that threshold, there it all is, just waiting for you to think about, to lean into, maybe even walk through and just kind of wait around it a little bit. It's who I am, it's who I'll always be, I'll never be anything different. Maybe you had some expectations that you had of yourself years ago and how life was going to look, but life looks so much different and so much further than you had planned. And your past haunts you because I should have done so many things differently. Just think about that. Like the past is like a door. And here's the thing. The door, it's like if I was to open that door right now, we should do it. It's really cold, right? 
And um, if I was to open the door, the cold wind of the outside would come in. And that's how it is. It's kind of like, you know what? I'm not going back, but I leave the door open and I feel the cold wind of those lies, the cold wind of my past failures, the cold wind of, of the past. I feel it blowing on me. It chills me to the bone at times. And that's something when I look at Luke chapter 22, and I think of Peter's life, I feel like he's a man that literally could really, really look at his past and feel like God is done with me. And so I want to look at Luke chapter 22. Jesus, he looked at his disciples that night, the night in which he was betrayed, and he said, some of you are going to deny me, and some of you are going to desert me. And I love Peter. Peter's a knucklehead, but he's fierce, and he's like, no. I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'll never, I'll never betray you. Others might deny you, but not me. Even if, it, if I have to look death in the face, I will never deny you. Later that night, Jesus is taken into custody, and he's over here in a courtyard as he's being interrogated. And out here in the courtyard out here, there, the gate on this side of it, there is a, a barrel, and they're burning a fire. And a young slave girl says, aren't you that guy? that was with Jesus, don't I recognize you? And Peter's like, no, no, it's not me. You must be mistaken. No, no. Another person's hearing it. It's like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. I, I saw you. I was there when Jesus was feeding like 5,000 people on a hillside, and you were one of the disciples carrying the basket. I remember, no, no, wrong person, wrong guy. That's not who I am. You must be confused. Another person, I know that you were with Jesus. The Jesus who was on trial right over there, that one that's right now about ready to get beat, that one that's right now about ready to go to a cross here in a few days, that I know you were with him. I know that. No, it's not me. And he denies him a third time. No, you're mistaken. I don't even know him. And what it says in Luke 22, verse 61, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Ooh, that's heavy. Ooh. Can you imagine he's over here in this courtyard and Peter's just outside the courtyard? And that moment, no, I don't even know who he is. And this gaze from Jesus, he looks over at Peter and their eyes meet. I'd never seen that before in that scripture. And it's just, their eyes meet. Oh, what would that do to your heart? What would that do to Jesus' heart? I, it just, that's a moment right there that's strong with emotion. And their eyes meet, and it says, suddenly, the words flash through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And when that happened, it says, Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. He left weeping. Imagine that. The merciful, kind eyes of the one who had brought him out of the fishing industry and had brought him into this miraculous ministry of seeing signs and wonders and amazing things happen, and now you've denied him, and he just looks at, just looks at you. What kind of emotions would you feel? I, I, here's what I think. I think Peter felt guilt. I do. I think that's why he was weeping. It says he left weeping. He felt guilty. I can't believe I just did that. I believe Peter felt shame. What if the other disciples find out what I've done? A sense of shame. I believe that he felt regret. I wish I could take all this back. He had big plans for us. He had plans for us. But what have I done? I've lost it all. And I think that's how the enemy works in our lives. He wants us to look in our past and to own guilt, shame, and regret. And while many of you will never physically in this earth see Jesus look at you like that with, with those eyes, you've had family members that have looked at you like that. You've had a loved, member, loved one that's looked at you when you let them down and you could see your failure in their eyes. And it hurts. Shame, guilt, regret. There was somebody at work and you knew... I shouldn't be talking about them, but this is just too good not to share. And you've shared it, and now you're kind of known around work as that Christian that runs their mouth. How many know there's some Christians that run their mouth? Don't be that. Amen? But now you have to look at that lady, and it's like your eyes look at her, and you're just like, and she looks at you with like just disgust and anger because you hurt her reputation publicly. Maybe you're a student and you're at school and there's somebody that was being bullied 
And you just stood there and watched it, and you didn't stand up for it. And that person's looking at you like, please help me. They're not saying it, but they're looking at you like, like now's the time I need you. And you just kept your mouth quiet. And now you see each other in the hall later, and they just look at you with a brokenness, like, like you weren't there for me. And you feel shameful, and you feel guilty, and you feel regret. Yeah, yeah. You see, our past, it's not something that we can go back to, in a sense, but it is something we can go forward from. Our past, if we're not careful, if we don't close the door, it'll continue to speak to us. And our enemy uses all that stuff in the past just to bring us to a place where we discount ourselves with shame, guilt, and regret. And so I want to look at that today because the enemy loves to remind us of our past, doesn't he? What does your enemy say about your past? I'm going to give you three things. The first thing he says is you're unforgivable. You have done too much to be able to walk in the forgiveness of Christ. You've done too much, or maybe you have not done enough, and it's unforgivable. That failure that you were a part of, it affected so many different people, or affected somebody, one person, so deeply that it's unforgivable, and you'll never get past your past because of that. You are unforgivable. When I think of Scripture, one of the people that I would think is unforgivable is David. David was a murderer, an adulterer. He was a horrible guy at times of his life, but by the end of his life, it was said of him that he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because of things like this, Psalms 38, 4, he cries out to God, my guilt overwhelms me, it's a burden too heavy to bear. And then you can see all through the Psalms where he would cry out to God in repentance and he would lay his past at the feet of Jesus or the feet of the Lord, if you will. And that's, that's how David, who felt, looked like he would be unforgivable, that's how he dealt with his guilt. And maybe you are having guilt when it comes to the idea of feeling unforgivable. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have drank as much as I drank. Okay, you're right. You shouldn't have. Amen? Your pastor's saying you shouldn't have. Amen? And so you're like, what did I do that for? All right, I get it. It's not unforgivable. But you're right. You shouldn't have. I, I shouldn't have went to that website. You're right. You shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said what I said in anger. I, I shouldn't have worked so much that I feel distant now from those who are supposed to mean the most to me. You're right. You shouldn't have. But you can see how all these feelings of guilt can come in from the past. I shouldn't have done these things, and now I feel unforgivable. I don't feel like the past can be changed. Not only do we have shouldn't have, sometimes we have some should haves. I should have started saving money when I was making good money. And now here I am, full of guilt, because I have hardly anything left in my account, and I'm hitting hard times right now. I should have stopped hanging out with certain friends that kept, kept pulling me down. I should have stopped that. And now I have guilt, because here I am again, letting the past affect me. And you may say, you know, Pastor Ross, are you talking about friends that, that, I'm not talking about friends, and you saying, I don't have friends that smoke or chew, and I don't hang out with those who do. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm saying friends that are just negative, life-sucking. Amen? Friends that you get with, and man, there's no edification, no building up, no mutual encouragement, no challenge to live the word. Friends that will excuse you from living the word. Oh, it's okay. We're just human. Well, yeah, you're human, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the righteousness of God. Amen? More than a conqueror, the Bible says, above and not beneath, head, not tail. I mean, come on. No, I, want, I, I should have hung out with friends, but I was hanging out with friends that just continued to pull me back into my, my past. They didn't help me see who I am in the future or who God is creating me to be. And so, yeah, so we have some things that we can feel unforgivable with. The second lie the enemy brings is that you're unlovable. If the people sitting next to me really knew how full of spiritual doubt I am, I have, they would, they would be so disappointed. No, they don't think that. That's what you're thinking. 
We have a young man that just got saved recently, and as an atheist, when he started coming to the church, he would have those feelings of, of if people really knew where I'm at. Well, because he's struggling. God is making himself known to him. Amen? If you're here and you're an atheist, you're in the right place. Oh, I shouldn't tell you this because I'll end up going long, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. I got a text a few weeks ago, and somebody texted me, and they said, is it true that you had an atheist playing drums in your church? And I wrote back, yes, exclamation mark. And then my phone rang. Yes, what's going on? Are you serious? Well, there's people, it's kind of a rumor out there, and, and people are concerned. I'm like, they're concerned about what? Well, I mean, you, you know, having somebody that doesn't believe in God playing drums, and you know what? The anointing of God can protect itself. It's not that fragile, amen? And so I told him, I said, man, and this was rude. I said, well, you just tell whoever it is. When they're leading as many atheists as Momentum Church is leading to Jesus, they can have an opinion. Online, that was wrong on me for saying that. I shouldn't have said this. I have a past. I'm a hothead. <laughs> but it made me so mad. But you know what I did tell him? I said, yes, and I can tell you who that man was because we were mentoring him, and he, we were praying, Lord, save Evan before Easter Sunday. Had been with us for months and months and months. Save him. We wanted to see him saved before Easter Sunday. And Evan on his own gave his life to Jesus about a week or two before Easter Sunday about four years ago. Yeah. Man, married his girl. They got a beautiful son. And man, just growing in the Lord. I'm so stinking proud of that drummer that was an atheist. But we gave him a chance to be in an environment where we didn't look at his past. Well, you're an atheist and you don't believe, so you can't. No, we were looking at his future. What can God do in your life? And begin to speak words of sanctification into his life and challenge into his life. And God began to make himself known. And so I won't go through all that. But, but I don't know how I got off on that. All I'm saying is that person had concerns about that. And you, oh, I know how I got there. So you might be here today like that. If they really knew, I don't even believe. But you keep coming back. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Because God has a plan for you. He's making himself known to you. You may feel like he can't love you, that you're unlovable, but you aren't. You're lovable. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe you feel unlovable because if people really knew what I said to my spouse or my kids this week, if people knew some of the things I've done, if people knew some of the things I'm doing, if people knew some of the things I think, they would reject me. They wouldn't love me. Doesn't that sound like shame? Yeah. yeah. Remember what Peter dealt with? He dealt with guilt. He dealt with shame. dealt with regret. That's shame. Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, at the moment their eyes were opened, this is when they ate that fruit and knew they had sinned, suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They felt naked. Worse than that, they felt broken in their fellowship with God. They had to run away from God is what they thought. And they began to hide themselves, the scripture says, in the garden. They're trying to hide from God. Because sin and brokenness in your past, the enemy would love to use that and say, you're not even lovable by God. And he challenges that so that you'll break fellowship with God. There's times when people go through things in life, hard times, and their past feels like it's catching up to them. They stop coming to church. Because I don't want to be around others when I'm hurting. Because what if they won't understand? They won't understand what I'm going through or I've done so much or the pain is just so much that to see other people with joy and, and they'll move out of fellowship. That's the worst thing you can do. You know, when you're going through hard times. And so what we see God do is he comes and he offers a sacrifice and he covers, he takes the skin of that animal and he covers the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And that's the first sacrifice you see in scripture. Amen? That's the judge wiping out the warrant that brought shame to me because my wife's a criminal. <laughs> the judge, God Almighty, literally shed, because there's, there's always a price. I'm not saying your past isn't important, and I'm not saying that, that the things you've done before aren't serious. They're so serious, shed blood has to happen to cover them, but the shed blood has happened already. It's Jesus. 
He's covered the sins, and we'll tell you how here in a little bit. But you can feel unlovable. The final thing, so you can feel um, 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 unforgivable, unlovable, the final thing is you can feel useless. The lie is because of what you've done in the past, you have no future. I've done too much to really have a future. I should just be satisfied with the stuff I'm walking in because of the past I have. That doesn't sound like God. God saves to the uttermost. The Bible says old things pass away. Everything becomes new. And so, no, no. Well, I've done too much. Or maybe it's I've, done, I've had too much done to me. Because of that, I'm just run down, I'm broken, and I'm useless. I, I, I can't serve. What if I'm trying to move in the call that God has on my life, and it happens again? That's called insecurity. What if it happens again? Maybe that feeling, God could never use me. The enemy would love for you to feel useless. I'll tell you right now, God can use you. Every single person in this room, you know how God can use you this week? Invite somebody to Christmas Eve. That easy. I don't feel like I'm a good representation of Momentum Church or the kingdom of God. I don't care. Invite somebody to Christmas Eve. I'd rather them have a poor invite than no invite. (laughs) You know? No, I'm kidding. But yeah. But what happens when you feel useless is you walk in regret. I wish things were different so that my life could be different right now. And so shame, guilt, and regret. The problem is, if you can't let go of your past, you can't take hold of your future. If you can't, in this doorway, stop playing on this side in the past and walk across the threshold, you'll never take hold of your future. You'll always keep that door open, just enough to remind you that you're useless, to be reminded that you're you're unlovable, to be reminded that you're unforgivable. That door's open and the wind just keeps blowing. That cold wind keeps blowing all those lies from the enemy upon you. But I have some good news. Amen? Jesus doesn't leave us holding on to our past. No, no. He comes to us when we need him the most. Watch this. Peter has denied Jesus three times. We can read scripture and we'll see that Peter and his disciples, Peter and a few of the disciples, they had went back to fishing. They're out there fishing. We were you being used of God, but now, you know what? I'm useless. I'm unlovable. I'm unforgivable. I'm just going back to my past. I'm opening the door, and I'm walking back in my old ways. And so we see, Jesus, or we see Peter fishing, and what I love about this is they went back fishing. Jesus came to Peter. Not Peter coming to Jesus. Jesus shows up and comes to Peter. This is after Peter denied him. This is after Peter deserted him. Jesus appears to them on the shore. And, 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 and they weren't even sure who he was. But this man appears to them on the shore. And they're out there in the boat. And he's like, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They hadn't caught fish all night. And Jesus tells them, throw your nets on the other side. And when they did, they caught a bunch of fish. Instantly, their eyes were open. And Peter's like, that's Jesus. That's him. And even though he felt unforgivable, and even though he felt unlovable, and even though he felt unable to be used, he jumps into the water. You remember the story where he walked on the water? That's not that story. He jumps into the water, and he Michael Phelps it. He's just like, I got to get to Jesus. The same Jesus that I saw in his eyes that hurt. When I denied him the third time, the same Jesus. But he's come looking for me, and now I got to get to him. I mean, he swims to Jesus. And Peter recognizes it, that it's Jesus. And Jesus came to Peter at the moment when Peter was just full of guilt, shame, and regret. Watch this, John 21, verse 15 and 17. After breakfast, that fish they caught, it's time to eat. After breakfast, Peter says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I don't know about y'all, when I heard my daddy say this, Ross Van Allen Wiseman, As soon as I heard my dad say that, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't, hey, when you're ready, listen up. No, no, it's like, it's time to listen now. It's time to get up. It's time to go because I'm in trouble. And we can see Jesus uses Peter's full name, Simon, son of John. (laughs) And I'm sure John is, Peter's like, like thinking to myself, here it's coming. It's coming. Peter, you should have been ashamed of yourself. That's that's what he's expecting to hear. Don't you feel guilty for what you did to me, Peter? 
Do you realize who I am and what you said about me, Peter? Now listen, Peter, we're going to get this thing squared away. But I need you to do this, 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 and this so that you can make things right, so that you can come back into relationship with me. That's not what he happened. Watch what happens. He just says to him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Feed my lambs. Jesus told him, he repeated, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question the third time. Wouldn't you kind of figure, like, this is doubt. Like, you don't believe me still. He said, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Many people believe that Jesus said three times, do you love me? Because Peter denied him three times. That makes sense, I think. I really do. I think that's probably accurate. But here's the thing. He says, it hurt him. It hurts me that you asked me this three times. It hurts because he has shame. It hurts because he has guilt. It hurts because he has regret. And it hurts that you're asking me this. But you know what? How kind and how caring it was for Jesus to hurt Peter. Because Jesus could be like, hey, Pete, no big deal. Don't worry about it. It's all good. That's how we treat sin sometimes. No, no, no. This, you messed up, Peter. But just because you messed up doesn't mean that we don't have relationship. It's not a big deal, Peter. No big, no, no, no. He's reaching into Peter's heart and asking this tough question because he wants to hurt him in a sense, in a good way. Because God is far more concerned with lasting healing in your life than he is with short-term feelings in your life. It's okay to hurt because of past things. It's okay to feel that guilt, shame, and regret for a season, for a moment, to own that conviction. But then hear this, that in that, Jesus comes to you and says, do you love me? Do you want to walk in relationship with me? That's what he's saying. You know, and, and sometimes it does hurt when you're going through things and God's trying to work this stuff out. Last June, this past June, we were camping up in Gatlinburg and Maverick was riding his bicycle and Max getting pretty good at riding with no hands. Now, he's not good at riding with no hands and no eyes. So he shows up at the pool, having gone by himself up to the camper and come back, and he is bleeding like a, he's, it's a mess. And he's like, I, and he told us that basically he was riding with no hands, and he looked away, and then he hit a bush. And the bush grabbed him and the bike. He threw through the bush, and his face went in gravel, and it just jacked him up really bad. Now, the Wisemans, we have a problem. We don't go to hospitals. It's bad. I know we should. I've sewed things up. I've glued things closed. It's not good. My dad and mom did it. My grandparents did it. It's, it's, I, it's Kentucky, I think, is what it is. And mom Blair's like, yep, that, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I'm looking at him like, yeah, so we get it all cleaned up, so we thought. And Months later, two months later, Max like, I got these little things in me. And we start feeling his skin, and he had like three or four of these little, but, well, they're pieces of gravel in his face. <laughs> but you know what? They all started working their way out. A few weeks ago, he's like, Dad, I think the last one's worked its way out, you know? And so he was always playing with these things and coming out of his face. <laughs> what should have happened is we should have like abraded it, or we should have taken him to the emergency room. <laughs> But we should have abraded it and cleaned it up and done like your mama and my mama did, put that mercurochrome in it. Ooh, that stuff burns and hurts, you know. We should have dealt with it so it could have healed properly, right? So just know, when you are thinking about your past, and it does hurt as God is reestablishing a relationship with you, just know when you have a wound in your life, you need to clean it out so that it can heal properly. That's all that hurt is. It should be conviction. There should be a little bit of pain, but it shouldn't be overwhelming shame, guilt, and regret that keeps you from moving forward. That's from the lie of the enemy calling you, to telling you that you're unlovable, unforgivable, and useless. That's not Jesus. Amen? Hmm. So, Jesus came to Peter and said, let's clean this out so that you can heal properly. And here's the thing. Although you can't change your past, all right, God shows us with Peter that you can change your future. He, he changes Peter's future. And so, if we're going to change our future, we've got to get rid of the past. We've got to deal with that. So, I'm going to give you two quick things. How to let go of your past. The first, 
close the door to the past. Amen? Just close, everybody just close the door. All right? So easy for us to leave it open. How do we close the door on the past so the enemy can't continue to speak those lies into our lives? How do we do that? By reminding ourselves that God's grace is bigger than our sin. That God's grace is bigger than our past. That God's grace is bigger than our regrets. In 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we do what? If we do what? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't say. If we beg Jesus and plead. If we feel guilty and so ashamed. If we lie on our bed and we take nails and we lay, it, and we lay on a bed of nails and we whip ourselves. Or we invite others that we've hurt to, to do that. You know, it's like, then God will, no, no, no. If we confess our sins. God's grace is bigger than your sin. And the reason why that's so important is just like Adam and Eve in the garden, God made the way. God came to restore the relationship. They were hiding. God came. Just like Peter, Jesus showed up on that beach looking out at those men. Amen? Same way. Same way. God came. I love that. And so your standing with God is determined by your relationship with him, not rules. Peter messed up the rules. Now, I'm not saying we don't live holy before God. I'm just saying when our past is lying to us and telling us you'll never get, go forward, remind yourself it's about relationship, not rules. Yes, those things I messed up, today's a new day and I'm moving forward in relationship with God. Galatians 4, 7 says it this way. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. So the doorway, yes, you were a slave. This is, the past is real. But it says you are no longer a slave. It doesn't deny that you were once a slave to sin. It doesn't deny that people hurt you or you hurt people. It doesn't deny that things haven't been ideal in the past. It doesn't deny it. But then it says that you're no longer a slave. Now you come through the doorway. The doorway, man, that is the work of Christ on the cross. We come through that doorway and it goes on and it says, no, but you're God's own child. And since you're his child, you're an heir of God. Wait a second. I thought I was a slave, and so I don't deserve anything. Well, you once were. But once you came through the things of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and now you're a Christ follower, you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. That means all the stuff that's Jesus is yours. Amen? That means all that's God, all that it's at his disposal. You're an heir of those things. The past isn't keeping you from it, not because you're good, but because he's God. Not because you're good, but because you have a relationship with him. That past is a lie. Amen? He says, you're my child and I love you and there's nothing you can ever do anything about that. I love you. You are mine. And to be fully known and to be fully loved is a powerful thing. My kids, they know Pop loves them fully. Nothing they could ever do. And I've got some doofuses for children, too. We all do, you know, especially when you have five. You know, you're going to have some doofuses. But they know I love them. I love them. I'm crazy about them. And they know that. And because of that, we have relationship. And because of that, they're testing waters and things. But dad ain't going nowhere. Same way, Father's not going anywhere. You're his son. And when we're known by him, it's a powerful thing. And maybe you're listening online or you've walked in here today and, 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 and you feel this, maybe not outwardly, but inwardly, you feel like you, you're just looking down, you know, with shame, with guilt, with regret. I can't believe I did this. I wish I wouldn't have done that. If I, since I've done this, people aren't going to accept me. And what I want you to do is I want you to hear Father God say today, pick up your head. You know, I, I can picture Peter swimming, coming out the beach. <laughs> you know, getting the water out of his eyes. And Jesus looking at him and just like, look at me, look at me. Like, like he wanted that eye contact, the same eye contact that caused him earlier to feel shame, regret, and guilt. He wanted him to look at his eyes. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. <laughs> Do you love me? I do love you. Do you love me? I do love you. So pick up your head. I encourage you today. Pick up your head. Pick up your chin. 
Ross, but if you knew what I did 15 years ago, there's no way. No, 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 pick up your chin because you're a child of God. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. Jesus knows it all. And he looks at you and he just goes, do you love me? He just says it to you. Do you love me? You see, because the door is no longer held open by anything. Because Jesus broke the power that holds the door open. The power that holds the door of our past and sin open. When he died on the cross, he just broke that. But the enemy would love for us to keep that door open and let that lie keep blowing in on us. And when that lie comes, like, no, I am lovable. I am forgivable. I am useful. That enemy is a liar that keeps blowing. I'm going to close the door. So you have to close that door by reminding yourself of what he has done on the cross. And that makes you a child of the living God. Amen? And you have to make a decision to close the door. You can't, you can't just keep opening and going and revisiting. And No, you've got to close it hard and close it sure. Yeah. And the reason why is because you're not what you've done. You are who God says you are. We sing that today. I am who God says I am. I'm a child, not forsaken. Pastor Corey couldn't have picked a better song today. You're forgiven, you're loved, you're a child of God. John 1 says it this way, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. See, when you're someone's child, your relationship's not based on rules that you broke. No, it's based on the parent-child relationship. And it says you will become a child. They were reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion, but a birth that comes from God. And God would look at you and say, you're now an heir. He would look at you and he would say, you see, you're not what you've done. You're who I say you are. Now you can continue to embrace the lie and go back in and play all around in here and mess your whole life up. And that's what the enemy would love. But I'm encouraging you to close the door by realizing who you are in him. Amen? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You're children of God. Second thing, if you're going to close the door, now let's leave that threshold. Let's, let's close the door, and now let's step into the future. Let's step into moving forward into what God has for us. God has saved us from our past for a reason, so that we can step into our future. Three times he says to son, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And as you've heard, he has repeated every time, yes, I do. But here's what's beautiful. Jesus says every time, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Why? Because that's the call of God that was upon Peter. And when Peter denied Jesus three times, he did not step away from the call that God had for him. That was still the call of God. He wasn't useless. And Jesus was reminding him, this is the purpose on you, Peter. And you all know on the day of Pentecost, he preached an amazing message and 3,000 people came to faith in Christ that day. He put the call of God back on Peter's life. And so you may have gone through some stuff in your past that you feel like makes you useless or negates you doing ministry. But listen, maybe you're a single mom. You had that child out of wedlock. And the enemy wants to bring guilt and shame and regret to you. But you've done a stellar job. You got your child in church. You're, you're not living promiscuous anymore. You're serving the Lord. And all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? There's other young women that are going through this that I can serve and minister to now. And so you're taking that. And now what you felt useless in, you're being useful and you're making a difference in other people's lives. Or maybe you grew up in a home where, man, love was tough. It was hard. I, I got a friend who literally, his father was a college student from another country here in America, and him and his girlfriend had a baby, which resulted in my friend. Back then, men had no rights. And so he goes back to his home country, and this woman begins to raise this child. But the family decides, you will be the child's aunt, and the grandmother, will, he'll be grown to know that I'm the mother, the grandmother. And so that's how this child grew. Years later, at the grandmother's funeral, the child was told, by the aunt, don't let anybody know I'm your mother. Think what that does to a kid. Just broken. When the man was 16 years old, left home, Lived on his own from then on. A brokenness, a pain, a hurt from his past. But here's what's powerful. 
that man and his wife years later, they could have held on to that. Because there's been people that have used stuff like that as an excuse. Well, I didn't have no bringing up. I never really had anybody show me. But no, that, you know, that man and his wife literally fostered dozens and dozens and dozens of children through the years and adopted a couple of those children. That man is one of the finest men I know ever in my life. And you know how God's so beautiful, how God rewards? 30 years later, that man's half-sisters, because of DNA tests and all that kind of fun stuff, or the, the, the me and me, the 23 and me and all that fun stuff, they approached their dad. And he's like, there's a son out there somewhere. And those sisters found their brother. And for the last 15 years or so, maybe 20, they've been restored. And that, that granddaddy's an amazing man. You know, he always wanted his son, but the system wouldn't let it. Why do you say that, Ross? Because God used the man's pain to propel him into his future. But man after man after man will have the same experience and go darker and darker and darker into the world of sin and lostness. Amen? But that guy decided, you know what? I'm stepping through the threshold. And I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to let the pain of my past keep me from the future that God has for me. And, and when we speak of the pain of the past, I do want to do one thing today before we close. We're going to do a project today. Not a project, but one last generosity opportunity for the year. Um, we have a young girl who is in the foster system. And it is a kinship foster situation. Um, she's a distant cousin. She's been given to a distant cousin who just so happens to have been coming to our church for years and years and years. And there's been a lot of family turmoil. That's why the government has given this girl to this family. But in the middle of the turmoil and the turnover to have this child, that family literally took everything this little girl has but her clothes. Took bed, took nightstand, took toys. Took, she had one of those little four-wheeler, like Mickey Mouse, you know, truck four thing. I mean, just took everything. And the family that is taking her in, that's a distant cousin, you know, they don't have a, a ton of financial means. And I just thought, in light of this idea that we can't change our past, but you, we can change our future, God can change our future, I thought it'd be neat today to have, oh, I thought she was up there, little Jazzy, let's, let's see this. And I've been given permission to use her name. We're not showing Jazzy online, you know, her, her image, but I have been given permission to use her name. But if you go on our giving website, um, you can find Jazzy. And man, we're just going to bless that family to be able to be, get her a great Christmas, whatever. I don't, I don't care if it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, whatever the Lord brings in there. We just want, we can't change this little girl's past, and it's a doozy. I can't, I can't go through all the details. We can't change her past, but we sure can affect her future. Amen? Just like we can't change our past, but God sure can change our future. Amen? And so let's, let's, let's go ahead and, and work toward our close here. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's so important that you take those things that are bad and let God use those things, because God doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something. Your past has purpose. And so close the door on it, but use that and move forward into the purpose that God has for you. And, and here's the thing about this that's so beautiful, is when you read this story, you think it's Peter's story. No, it's not. It's Jesus' story. It's not a story about Peter's failure. It's a story about Jesus' faithfulness. And you're going through some stuff, and you think it's your story. Well, yeah, but it's Jesus' story, and he's a good author. He's going to finish this story well, amen? And so it's not about your failures, it's about his faithfulness. Your story that you're going through in your past, it's not about how bad it was, it's about how good he is through all those things. And so my question for you for 2023, what, what your story's, what is it going to be about? Your past and how your past keeps shaping you? Or is it going to be a story about what Jesus has brought you through? Because your story is not a story about failure, it's Jesus' story about victory. Last verse, Philippians says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ possessed me. No, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved by focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus is calling me. You are not what you have done, 
You are who God says you are, and he wants you to take steps into the future to do and accomplish what he desires for you. Amen? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads just for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning, and when I was talking about coming through that threshold, you know, for that person who's never walked into a relationship with Jesus, man, that that threshold, that's that, that first experience, walking through and saying, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to follow Jesus. I don't know what all that means. I know that there's things in my life that I, I feel guilt, shame, and regret over, and I want to give those to Jesus. Some of those were my fault. I want, to, I want forgiveness for those things. And I understand, like Adam and Eve feeling naked and you covered them, that you spiritually can cover my nakedness, my sins. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today and you're like, Ross, I want to come to faith in Christ, just like that young man that was an atheist last week has decided to follow Jesus. If that's you today and Jesus is making himself known to you, would you just hold your hand up for pastor so I can see it? Just hold up your hand. I see, and I'll just look for your hand. We won't embarrass you. I just want to see. All right. For others that are in the room, head bowed, eye closed, maybe there is something in the past where there's shame, guilt, or regret, and you just need help closing that door and stepping into your future. If that's you, just hold up your hand. I see hands all over. Jesus, you came to Adam and Eve, Father. Jesus, you came to Peter. Now come to my friends, Jesus. Come to them today. Let them look into your eyes and see your love that's unconditional. Let them look into your eyes eyes and see the plan that you have as you call them into relationship and, and to move forward in what you have for them. Let them not discount themselves because of their past, but let them move forward in relationship with you and what you have next for them. I pray for this in Jesus' name. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for being the one that helps us to let go of our past and that carries all our burdens. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.